Hi, welcome to Brady's Corner. I'm Brady and this is my corner. We have Cheryl Osborne here today and she is the founder and president of Casco Contractors. Uh, Casco Contractors is a commercial general contractor and they specialize in tenant improvement as well as a number of things. I know that Cheryl and I have talked about um, safe working environments and a lot of things that they were doing innovative on that front. And today we're here to talk about a number of things. Uh, Cheryl, welcome. And uh, won't you introduce yourself? Thank you, Brady. It's such an honor to be here. It's been so great, our relationship over the past years. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Cheryl Osborne. I'm the president and founder of Casco Contractors. Uh, we specialize in mostly uh, commercial tenant improvement, office space, labs, manufacturing, restaurants, Pretty much anything that has an existing building, we can build it. Um, we don't do any ground up. Um, obviously, it's been a little bit of a challenge over the past couple of years during COVID with people not really going back to work. So that's been an interesting, it's been a very interesting business to be in, but I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And um, I do want to share a funny story. So the first time we met, I came to your office, um, your CPA was there. Um, and also there, uh, you were at the head of the table over here and there was a, uh, male executive leader across from me. And, um, my, people always joke that, you know, Brady read the room better. And that was one time I definitely read the room better. And I physically moved my chair and faced you, um, because I didn't know who was who, but that was just a feeling I got the dynamic. And that's, that's kind of the, um, the leadership that, that you exude. And I remember you, you said something to the effect of, Brady, you've made a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's definitely a very male dominated field. So there's not always the assumption that the female in the room is the one in charge. So that's, that was, it was fabulous that you actually did that. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, it's been fabulous working with you and, and knowing you for, for a number of years now. Um, and you've really grown and, and dominated the industry in your space in Southern California. Um, can you talk a little bit about how how did you start out? Um, how did you get into construction? And then how did you start your own business? Uh, well, so my father was very, very, um, he was very, a little bit disappointed when I was born because I was definitely supposed to be a boy. I have an older sister. And back then this was, I'm dating myself, but this was way before ultrasounds. So um, they listen to your heartbeat and they're like, it's a boy. You're finally getting, you know, the... The, the last, I was, the the name ended with me and he was really excited to have a boy and I came out and I was on a boy. So he, um, with, to my father's credit, he basically decided to raise me basically genderless. So, so really it's like, do you want to ride motorcycles? You ride motorcycles. If you want to paint your nails, you paint your nails. And so I kind of grew up being just empowered to do anything. I never really judged things based on gender. Like this is something girls do. This is something boys do. Um, and so I always say now, like I can swing a hammer with the best of them, but I'm always afraid of breaking a nail. So kind of like the yin yang thing. Um, but yeah, so I just had a passion for construction. Um, I started out in interior design and I realized that I really wanted to be in the building piece of it. So I went to school for construction management at Cal State Long Beach. Um, and it was, you know, I was, it was me and 322 men. So it was kind of fun. It was very uh, interesting time. Uh, there weren't very many people in construction management back then. There are a lot more now to their credit, um, but it's still on the lower side. Um, so I just worked for 
a couple different businesses and I didn't have a question for my boss for about three months. And I went, how hard could it be to own a construction company? I could probably do this. And I was pregnant with my second child. So I bought a laptop and I started my company with a baby and a laptop in my kitchen. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, I think that it's just because it's my passion. I really love the industry. I love what I do. And it just kind of exploded over the last 20 years. So that was 20 years ago, 21 years ago, actually. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And now how big is Casco now? So pre-COVID, we were uh, approaching 70 million. Um, again, COVID has been really hard on my industry. So we took about a 35% hit over the past couple of years. Um, our projections are that we'll get back up to those numbers, um, you know, 70 so million, um, probably by the end of this year, beginning of next year. That's fantastic. And then as far as number of people, um, about 50 or 60? Uh, 65. Yeah. 65. And then the, the makeup, though, of, of your folks is a little bit different than a lot of commercial general contractors. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit and, and how you invest in, in technology and, and design? Yeah, so we have a in-house interior design um, architectural firm. So we do interior and exterior design. Um, and we have that in-house, which is uh, pretty odd. A lot of people call it design build, but they actually go outside of the company to partner with a company where we actually have them as internal employees. Um, so there's about 12 people in our design and then the rest of the people make up the construction. And um, I think design build is really a, a, a phenomenal way of executing a project. Um, it, it seems to be that the, the contractor has a little more responsibility because they're, they're responsible for the design as well as the execution of it. There's not any finger pointing. Yeah, so design build is kind of a new buzzword and we've sort of felt like we've been mastering it for a really long time. So I'm hoping it, it comes up, but I do also like to um, try to find women in construction and hire them as you know project engineers, project managers. Um, I really like the diversity piece of of construction because especially in Orange County, you know, there's been a bit of a lack of diversity in commercial construction. Uh, so I really like to focus on that. Um, and we also uh, do a lot of exterior work and we've started installing EV charging stations. So um, knowing that that is a um, definitely gonna be a something that that is huge in Orange County. I mean, they say 2% of people drive uh, electric vehicles, but not in Orange County. It, that, that number's a lot bigger. So um, yeah, so we're just looking to, we're just looking to build whatever people want to be built. And it just so happens there's tax credits for those. So right. it, it's a win-win, so. Yeah, so we actually take care of all that. You're, you're kind of the expert on the tax credits. So yeah, I might have to get some advice from you after this. <laughs> Perfect, I love it. And talk about tax all day. Right. Um, well, let me ask you. So, you know, on that point of, you know, finding the talent, attracting the talent and retaining the talent, you mentioned 12 folks in your design team alone, 65 people on your team. It's grown significantly, even even over the last two years. That's that's a lot of growth. Um, now, how how have you done so? How have you attracted these folks and retained folks? Um, what what are you doing differently than other folks? So uh, 
to, to, you know, the honest truth is it's very difficult, especially right now. I mean, and I think that every business owner and every HR person that's looking for talent is, is saying the same thing. Um, it used to be that you could kind of predict what people wanted and, you know, these extra perks, maybe extra perks in your office, like uh, ping pong tables or pool tables or, you know, lots of employee engagement events used to be enough. And now we're finding that we're not really sure what people want. We have to, we have to do a lot more experimenting. So um, we do like to do a lot of employee engagement, um, you know, which is, you know, happy hours and, and, um, you know, holiday parties and things like that, that get people together. Um, because from what they say, the millennials and the people that are in that really good sector of hiring, they want to feel engaged with something. They want to feel like they're part of something bigger. And so we've really tried to engage them in a way that they feel like they're changing something. So I always say like, we don't cure cancer at Casco, but we can build you a space where you can cure cancer. So you can kind of feel like you're, you know, part of something bigger. Um, we've had, we've done so many things. We've done student loan payoffs to attract people. We've done, um, you know, relocations where we're finding people in, in other states and bringing them over. Um, it's, it, it is really a full-time job, honestly. And I mean, we're meeting about it actually today, you know, um, how do we get the greatest talent? And I think that people just want to know that their employer is invested in them and that they actually do care about them. And that's what, that's my full-time job, chief enthusiasm officer. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, so do you have employees in other states? Uh, no. So we've just recruited from other states and actually just moved them out here, but we do not have them. Actually, you know what? That is, that is a wrong statement. I do have one, um, a, a designer that relocated and we still retained her as a designer and she works remotely. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, um, let's see the future of the workplace. You spend a lot of time on that. You study yeah. it quite a bit. Um, and, and, and continue to do so as, as your leader in Southern California and redesigning uh, workspaces. What are you seeing that is changing? You know, it, COVID, it wasn't just about the epidemic, but really kind of a, a changing culture. And sure. what are you seeing different in the future of the workplace? Yeah, so it's funny that you say that, Brady, because I became an expert right around the time COVID came out, thinking it was only going to last a couple months. And here we are almost two years later, and it's still affecting, you know, that industry. Um, so what we've discovered is for, for, for a long time, people just weren't going back to work, but people weren't necessarily downsizing because there was so much unsurety in the markets. So people were keeping their offices but they weren't necessarily, so they weren't making those kinds of sweeping changes, but nobody was going to work. Um, it got to the point where everybody really did want to get back to work. And so what we saw is people were investing in their space. Um, the first and foremost thing I saw people investing in is health. So whereas maybe there might've been a smelly air conditioner servicing your building before, that, that automatically put people on high alert. Like, wait a second, this building is not safe for me to be in. So we did a lot of work. Um, I had a bunch of employees get uh, healthy building certified so that we could actually provide first and foremost safe workplaces because people you know, were wearing masks and, and doing all that. Now that that has sort of flushed out a little bit, but possibly coming back, who knows? 
Um, what we're seeing now is people want more of a, they still want their offices, which everybody thought, you know, everybody went to this big open, you know, you know, spend a ton of money on open office furniture and people still like their offices and they don't necessarily want to share as much as, as people thought. The bigger companies, I see them sharing a lot of offices where you actually go in on an app and you program in, I'm going to have this office on this day for this amount of time. We're not seeing that with the smaller companies. We're not seeing people going after a lot less square footage. We're seeing them using their offices differently. They have more collaborative areas. I just did a lawyer's office and they wanted a big library with comfy couches. And you know, even though everything's online now, they thought that that would be a good benefit for their employees to have something a little bit more like home, a little more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Are you are you anticipating any other um, changes um, in you know the future of the work environment in, in your crystal ball? I don't think that remote work is going away for sure. I, I do believe not only as an employee retention matter, but also as just um, just the way that people figured out that they could function. You know, so many people are saying like I used to drive you know, back and forth to work. And it was such a waste of time when I could be really productive at home. So, you know, certain, certain industries are more productive working remotely than others. Um, we are, we're never getting our accounting uh, department back. They are just, they're very productive at home. It's very easy to track and manage their KPIs. So that's probably, I, you know, I think those people are going to be at home. They like to be at home anyway. Um, but we're, we're, we were struggling a little bit with getting our our project managers and our project engineers back because it's really hard to learn and it's really hard to grow and and um, develop your career in a remote learning situation. So we've really tried to bring them in, but give them a little flexibility. So the flexibility is not going away. You have to be able to trust your employees. You have to be able to allow them to work, you know, and, and that's not going away. Um, the cleanliness piece, people want, they're more interested in how their office is being cleaned, how their office is, is maintaining. Um, and I think um, they're also starved for events and, and things. They want, they want that collaborative, the collaboration space as well. You know, I mean, we just had a, we just finished our, our ping pong tournament and I couldn't believe the participation. Everybody was so into it because, you know, it was a, it was a way to get, you know, around everybody, right? Um, what are what are the current rules in Orange County? Do y'all have to wear a mask or whatnot? Or? So um, they just mandated masks uh, in pub all public places, regardless of vaccination, between December fifteenth and January fifteenth. Gotcha. Um, you know, you, your office policies obviously can be different. We have maintained mm -hmm. that we have a you know, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Um, we're rethinking that. We're actually meeting about that today. We're rethinking that a little bit. Um, so it's really in flux. It's it's such a it's just a, it's uncharted territory, and so we're doing the best we can. I think like everyone else. Yeah. So in in the folks that you've designed for, what are some things? Is, is there been anything surprising that you've seen you know consistently at at your clients where maybe they want you know this technology, or has there been an emphasis on filtration and whatnot, or? No, I mean, there's been some fun things like like little mini Zoom rooms and and uh, more like war rooms, lots more conference rooms. People are 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 doing more meetings 
um, from a remote standpoint, but in, you know, like where they're in the, the meeting, but they're, they're meeting with someone who's, you know, maybe somewhere else. Um, so we're seeing a lot of technology, uh, smart boards and things like that. Um, we're not, I'm not seeing anything, you know, like back in the technology day where Google put a slide in from their second floor to their first floor, you know, we're not seeing any of that really uh, sort of kitschy stuff. It's more, um, it's more things to get people together, to allow people to work remotely and do their jobs well. And then, um, you know, a, an upgrade of finishes. People don't want to work in, in nasty, stinky places. Yeah. If they're gonna go to work, they want that to be a pleasurable experience for them. I wanna switch gears on you and go back to women in construction and talk about what advice you would have for somebody that was, you know, maybe on the fence like you were. And, you know, when you decided, you know, you, you said you were pregnant with your laptop at your kitchen table and I can, I can do this, <clears throat> you know, you, it sounds like, you know, in your upbringing, you were empowered to, to have a certain appetite for risk. Um, we can talk, let's talk about risk, um, appetite for risk and what other, other folks, any advice you would have to, to women that, you know, wanted to start their own construction firms or yeah. even advance in leadership or. Yeah. So I do a lot of mentoring. So I, um, it's been one of my things because I was, I was, you know, blessed with having some really great mentors over the years. And so, um, and, and mentoring is not just people in the industry or people looking at the industry. It's really starting, um, I'm on the board of Girls Inc. And we start with girls that are in, you know, in elementary school, you know, nine, seven, eight, nine-year-old girls, empowering them at that level, because I think it's really important so that girls don't grow up with that gender bias of what careers can be for women and what careers can be for men. So, it, so I think that's the most important thing for any woman in any industry that's not traditionally, you know, a female industry. Um, but as far as like the commercial real estate business, I think that it, it's gotten a little more construction, um, especially. So commercial construction in um, in my area has gotten a little more um, refined. So when I first got into the business, you know, I always called it the dirty jeans mentality where, you know, my competitors were wearing dirty jeans with a tape measure and they, you know, were gruff and, you know, you kind of thought, oh, that that's successful. That guy's successful because he's being a jerk to me. And, you know, customer service kind of came through and said, no, I don't think so. So it's become a lot more refined. It's become a lot more elegant. Um, and I think that uh, a lot more collaborative. So my advice to, to women is ask a ton of questions. So I think what happens a lot in, in especially this industry, because you can't really open up a book and read about it and figure out how to you know, be a general contractor. You really have to experience it. It's all about being open and asking questions and working with people on solutions. And I, I see a lot of women um, and men too, actually, that they kind of close up and they don't, they, they don't say anything at meetings and they don't really want to speak up. But I always would say, I would like walk into a meeting and say, talk to me like I'm a preschooler. I don't understand what the problem is. Talk to me like I'm a preschooler. And you get so much more done. You have so much more opportunity. And I think if women had the, the, um, confidence 
to do that more often, I think you'd see more women in these non-traditional roles and you'd see more women taking risks and, you know, starting their own companies. I mean, really, um, I look back and I mean, if I knew what I knew now, I probably would never have jumped like I did, but I did, you know? And so I think that there's, I have a bracelet that I made for myself and a lot of people think it's bad, but it says uh, ignorance and persistence. And that is kind of the, that is the story of my entrepreneurial life because I really was a little bit ignorant on like what it took to get things to, you know, where they are at. But I was persistent. I woke up every day and I, you know, pounded the pavement. So that's fantastic. And I think that's great advice, not only, as you mentioned, for, for both men and women, but also um, not just for people wanting to start their own business, but people just advancing professionally, yeah. um, you know, entrepreneurship as well. So, um, so, you know, in, in summary, you're saying ask questions, ask questions. Um, and then, you know, what, what are your thoughts on getting out there and, you know, professional networking events after work? Um, yeah. nobody likes to do it. Everybody has family and whatnot. Yeah. Conferences. Such an interesting, cause I am now an empty nester. So, um, it's just a little bit different because I do have a lot more, um, you know, I have a lot more ability to do that. I really did spend the first, you know, 15 to 18 years of my children. I have two daughters, uh, 23, almost 24 and almost 21. And I did not do a lot of that industry marketing, you know, nighttime stuff, especially, you know, so there was a huge disparity there between me and say another guy that possibly, you know, had a stay at home uh, caregiver that was, was, I don't know, women always want to be taking care of their children. They call it like, the, what is it? The 25th hour. Like we're always trying to um, be around, be present, make sure that they're taken care of. So it does, I think it's a little harder for women to do that, um, that business development off hours, business development than it is for men. Um, I'm hoping to see that shift a bit, uh, as people take on more responsibilities and, and men and women start sharing more responsibilities, but, um, it, it's step that was, that was definitely different. So, and it's exhausting too, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks that travel and whatnot is, is so exciting and glamorous. And, you know, it's funny is I, I try to always bring um, when it when it's um, possible to bring, you know, another uh, brainiac um, along and um, they realize how exhausting it is. I mean, just the travel itself. And then we have mission to take care of and we have to prepare for that mission. We have to execute. And then, you know what, there's eight hours and we still have to catch up on the rest of the day. There's another eight hours. Mm -hmm. So it's exhausting. And um, I think, you know. I, I do, it, it, it's, it would be interesting to see how it's affected because there's been so much less of that happening during COVID. I'm wondering if that's the next area of innovation is, is how do you get out there and do business development and, and travel and marketing and things like that? Maybe not as, as, as much as people used to do it, right? As being right. out as much. Because it's yeah. still an important part of business for sure. So, so you're, you're saying, you know, more of a blended approach, more strategic right. travel, um, and then blended, you know, with, with the, the virtual as it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've, I've heard of some really interesting things people are doing. I have a buddy of mine who owns a sprinkler company and he is actually doing virtual wine tasting with people, with clients still now, even though 
and it is a huge success. He sends them a bottle, you know, a couple bottles of wine and, and a virtual wine test. And it, it seems like, oh yeah, another virtual event, but he's had really good luck with that. That's fantastic. That's actually a smart idea. Yeah. Um, I have heard of it where people are sending, um, you, you bring your own alcohol, but they send you the mix, the mixology type bags or whatnot. And yeah. you, you kind of make it yourself. So. That's probably some, um, some lawyer got involved and said, don't supply them alcohol. Just <laughs> supply them mix, right? That's right. Probably. It is California. It's, it's right. the most uh, litigated state in the world. Right. So, um, let me let me ask you on the construction side. Do you see any changes? Um, you know, um, I guess coming up over the next couple of years as supply chain starts to correct, and you know, between tenant improvement and just you know um, vertical vertical construction as well. Or what what do you see in there? Well, we are. I mean, we have seen an enormous price increase in construction. I mean, I, I, I read something and it, it's anywhere between 22 and 30%. And I, and I, I see it. So we do everything by um, dollars per square foot. So if say you have a 20,000 square foot office space, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, you could have built out a pretty nice space for 60 or $70. Now you're talking 90 or a hundred dollars. I mean, it's that, significant and what you're going to see is that the landlords are not going to end up end up funding all that so it's gonna it's gonna come out of tenants pockets that are signing leases um if they do want all the bells and whistles uh i'm seeing it all the time everyone it, that's the one complaint i get all the time why is everything so expensive and then obviously the supply chain issues we're having now and i don't see that going down because we saw that happen in um 2008 when everything crashed and then um you know there was a huge uh cost increase of, of things it never went away so i'm not sure that once it gets established you know it doesn't seem like it goes down so i think that's here to stay um the supply chain issues i i can't even tell you like our schedules have gone if something was 12 weeks you know before now we're 16 to 18 weeks just because we can't get material and we can't get people I mean, I'm in California, so California, its labor market is is really compromised based on, um, you know, just the opportunities for people and also the, you know, the lower paying jobs are really hard to find people for. Um, so we're really struggling with truck drivers, you know, laborers, cleanup guys, all of that, and all of my subs are struggling. So everything's taking longer. And so if you're planning a construction project, you know, there's just a lot less that you have control over now than you did in the past. And and I this question is is really um, related to that. And you know, we're hearing more about mixed use um, with commercial buildings and residential being you know built into existing commercial properties. Um, are you in on any of that, or is that? Uh, you know, a potential in the future? And, and what are your thoughts on that? It's always talked about, especially when you had some of these larger, um, you know, buildings like Macy's and things like that, that were going through some financial struggles. So it's always been talked about. I'm always part of the planning. Um, usually the things that I'm seeing of mixed use aren't necessarily being um, renovated into mixed use yet, but that is being, it's all over being talked about. 
Um, most of it was planned that way. You know, you've got the district over here that's got um, its intestine. It's you know all residential and you know commercial and retail on the on the first two floors. We're doing a renovation. We're bidding a renovation in San Diego on a historic building that has a residential component and a and a commercial component. I think it's a really. I mean, I think it's a great way to live, right? Like if I were you know if I were young and and didn't really have a family or even if I had a family, like, I think it's a fabulous way to live. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's going away at all. So especially with the population increase, I mean, you're going to need more, you're going to need more space for people. That's fantastic. Um, let's see um, any other advice uh, for, for young, uh, young folks starting in, in construction or maybe even not in construction. That's, that's one of the things that's talked about is, um, you know, are, are you, are you seeing a shift at all in people, whether or not they go to college versus trade school? Um, and so then that is, that is a big, big thing for me. I am, even though I put both of my children through college, um, which I don't know how I feel about it at this point, but, um, I am a huge trade school advocate. I mean, we are going to be short 30% electricians in 2030 and, I mean, I'm telling you, there are so many opportunities in construction, especially for, you know, I think it's really important at a young age to really you know, know what kind of industry you want to go in and what that looks like. So there's, you know, people that want to be lawyers. Have they sat in on a mock trial? Have they sat in on, you know, a, uh, a discussion or a mediation that is, will bore you to tears, right? So like it, are, are the right people, at, you know, not looking at just what the status is about going to college or a four-year university and, and what they think they can get out of it. I mean, I know plumbers that make more than lawyers. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I think that there's, we have to, we have to, um, you know, the industry has, has kind of been, construction has always been a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you, um, look down upon it. Um, it's always been a, a little bit like that. And I think we have to show that it could be a really great profitable industry um, so that people could go into it and you don't have to sit in front of a desk all day. You know, there's a lot of people that don't want to sit in front of a desk. So there's, you know, I think it's really important for girls and boys at a young age to, what do they want to do? Do they want to be out and about outside doing something or do they want to be sitting behind a desk? Because that helps make decisions. Um, I, I love trade school. There's a million of them. And I think that there's also a lot of employers that are doing sort of like a, a trade school in-house training. Um, it's hard though, cause you train them and then everyone wants to steal them. So we're still working that out. Um, but I think that, uh, that really just asking questions, asking questions, asking questions at when you can still ask them when you're not supposed to know, right? So at a very young age, exploring all these industries and I can't tell you how many people are like yeah I went to law school and then I became a lawyer and I hate it because I didn't realize I'd be sitting at a desk reading all day it's like well that's what lawyers do you know so just really being informed about what think you know what what the exciting things of, of people are doing we're also partnering um, with big brothers big sisters to to bring some of these kids in especially the high-risk youth um, and maybe the underserved bringing them in, showing them what it's like to be a day on a construction site and what they could expect. And hopefully like getting that little, you know, that little, 
that you know fishing expedition going with them wanting to be on a job site yeah 100 percent. if they can envision it right and that it could become a reality for them so right and you have to see it you have to feel it you have to experience it yeah that's fantastic well thank you so much for sharing that um i know everybody's going to love this um you're you're always a hit um with everyone so um are you going to be um you're going to be speaking at bake yeah yeah um i i would love i love i actually put a microphone in front of me and i can't shut up i really i do like to talk i have a lot to say but i think it's because i'm really passionate about what i do and i'm really passionate about people and um you know the construction industry and women and young girls especially so yeah i'm going to be speaking there hopefully they'll have me so if you want to see more of Cheryl, she's going to be in person in Scottsdale, Arizona, June 12th, 13th, and 14th at the Brain Architecture Engineering Construction Summit, the Bake Summit 22. Um, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining today. Um, and thank you all uh, for listening in at Brady's Corner. Uh, please like and subscribe and uh, see you next time. Thank you, Brady. Thank you.